or a whistle, yeah. Good morning. Welcome to Open Anchor once again. I'm excited about opening God's Word this morning and uh, continuing in our, our study, uh, walking with the, the Apostle Peter. We're, this is our Rock of Ages teaching series, and I think this is week 15. Let me check my notes. Yes, week 15 of our Rock of Ages series. And today's message is called Living Stones, uh, Worship and Witness. Living Stones, Worship and Witness. Uh, just by a show of hands, has anybody here, what? It is on. It is on now. Yeah. It's on now. By a show of hands, how many here have been to Ireland? Okay. Okay, but also then, by a show of hands, how many would like to go to Ireland? There we go. Well, let's go. <laughs> if you've ever been to Ireland or if you've ever looked into going to Ireland, maybe you've sat on your, at your desk, on your computer, looking at images of Ireland, watching YouTube videos about Ireland, you've probably noticed a few things. What are some of the things you uh, probably picked up on uh, when you've entertained the idea of Ireland? Green. Green? The Blarney Stone. The Blarney Stone? Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Rock walls. Rock walls, yeah. All right, you guys are preaching my sermon for me. Good. Uh, if you're flying into Ireland, if you're flying to Ireland, as you begin your descent toward the airport, uh, whether you're flying into Dublin or, or Shannon, anywhere in Ireland, uh, you'll notice below you, as you've been flying over the Irish countryside, you begin to notice how green everything is. How uh, there's scattered trees and there's fields everywhere and they're all this vibrant green. It is, for, it, is not for, it is not for no reason that Ireland is called the Green Island or the Emerald Isle. You get that impression as soon as you fly over, wow, this place is green. That's not just a marketing tactic. It's actually very, very green. Everything's green here. I've got a picture, uh, image number one. I'm, uh, this is like multimedia today. Do we have image number one, Aaron? For those of you who've never even heard of Ireland, this is a very dim picture of Ireland. <laughs> but you see, this is like the fields and the forests, all different colors of green just burst forth as you see Ireland from the air. You may also notice flocks of sheep and quaint cottages tucked away at the uh, end of single lane roads. Uh, well, what we would call single lane roads. In Ireland, they call them two lane roads, but there actually is one lane. Uh, winding their way along field edges. But one thing that you will almost certainly see is rock fences. Rock fences. Every field is bordered by fences built from stones, dark and of various sizes, stacked for miles and miles. I've got a, a couple other images. See, uh, rock fences built from stones. There's another image too that kind of shows this. Every field is bordered by rock fences. You can't really see from this distance, but that's all rocks piled up in fences. Along every rural road bordering every field are stones stacked chest high or higher. Uh, millions upon millions of rocks going on seeming forever. At first, one might think that these fences are simply for marking property boundaries 
or for keeping livestock contained. And you are completely wrong in thinking these things. But then one might wonder, where did all these rocks come from? Because if you look at the fields, they're all lush and green and, and smooth. Where did all these rocks come from? The fields are smooth, they're gentle, the grass is lush, the soil is fertile. Did they truck these stones in from somewhere else? Were there like ships coming over from France or something, or Scotland, bringing all the rocks and dumping them there? Why not just use barbed wire? Why not build barbed wire fences and just save the time and labor, right? But it turns out these fields, they weren't always level. And they weren't always ripe for crops and grazing. Over the centuries, farmers and other poor souls had to dig up and remove each and every one of those rocks. They had to dig up those rocks in order to make the land usable for planting and for livestock. Year after year, people carried stones and fashioned fence rows. So every mile you see of this stone was built by hand, and those rocks were previously lodged in the ground of the field. And over the centuries, they've been dug up, they've been carried and put to good use in these fence rows. One gets the sense that the fences were made not just to keep livestock and crops in, but mostly to get all these stones out of the way. They had to do something with the stones, and it makes sense. We'll build fences. Irish life, life in Ireland has long involved living with stones. It's involved digging them up, moving them around, building with them, and even using them for measuring weight. In the United Kingdom and in Ireland, an ancient weight measurement is, no surprise, a stone. Stone is a unit of measurement. Stone became a standard way to measure, measure weight among merchants uh, in or around the 14th century. And a stone weighs 6.35 kilograms or about 14 pounds. You write that down, right? <laughs> You would bring your wool or you'd bring your barley to the market and you would place it on a scale balanced with a hanging stone of an agreed, agreed upon size or heft. Okay, this isn't an actual picture, it's just a cartoon, but we didn't have photos of photography in the 14th century, right? But you would have a scale and on one end would be hanging a stone of, a, of an agreed size and weight. So, this is how marketing, uh, in the market, how trade was accomplished by weighing your goods against the weight of a stone. So, stone became an agreed upon uh, official measurement. Nowadays, you may read an article about a man in the United Kingdom or Ireland who has lost several stone of weight through diet or life change. So, uh, here's uh, this one says uh, the headline. I know you're happy to be seeing this. Um, bullied to buff. The, the title of this article is Bullied to Buff. <laughs> Man sheds tin stone to fulfill friend's dying wish. If that headline doesn't grab your attention, Bullied to Buff. Man loses tin stone in order to fulfill dying friend's wish. Um, oftentimes, in articles from the UK or Ireland, you'll read about weight being lost in uh, measured by stone. So, that being the case, uh, to satisfy your curiosity, I weigh around 13.9 stone. 
about 195 pounds. Uh, back in 2012, I started running because I wanted to lose 1.5 stone. I wanted to lose about 20 pounds. So that's why I started running. Uh, it'd be fun if we started uh, doing things in stone, right? Let's bring that back. Can we agree on it? Yeah? No hands? Okay. But here's the thing. The idea of weighing our lives in stones it finds a biblical parallel of sorts. As we read the Bible, we find stones aren't just applying to uh, rocks in their very nature. There's symbolism. There's meaning to, to stones. Throughout Scripture, there's talk about stones, about the use of stones for special purposes. Stones being used for building the temple. Uh, there's even a story about setting up a stone as a memorial called an Ebenezer. An Ebenezer stone, a stone of remembrance. We remember God's activity. Stones, they were gathered to build altars. Uh, stones famously brought down the giant named Goliath, right? It's like Bible quiz. Yeah, it brought down Goliath. The use of stones in the Old Testament often signified and symbolized God's activity among Israel. But in the New Testament, stones begin to represent Christ. Stone... Uh, the use of the idea, the imagery of stones represent Christ, but also represent his followers, his people. The Apostle Peter picks up on this theme of stones in 1 Peter chapter 2. And he's drawing on references from the, from the Psalms and also from the prophet Isaiah to illustrate how God is at work in Christ and also in us. Okay, today I'm just going to prepare you. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time jumping around in Scripture, looking at different verse passages from the Old Testament and New Testament. So I'm going to maybe call on some of you to read. Uh, otherwise, I'd like you to be following along. So keep your thumb nice and warmed up, loose and limber if you're using your phone. Otherwise, keep your Bible kind of ready to go, okay? Because we've got a lot of time in the Word this morning. First, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and today we're looking at verses 4 through 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-10 through 10. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but He was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him, but for those who rejected him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. What a great passage. So let's take this bit by bit here. 
Verses 4 and 5. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. That sentence right there, to an Old Testament hearer, or to a, to a Jew, one of the Israelites, hearing that sentence would have just blown your mind. Wait, back up. What? And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. That's a mouthful. There's a lot going on there, historically and culturally, that what the temple meant and the stones that were quarried and used to build the temple that, the, uh, that by this time the Jews were fondly remembering and uh, longing to get back to. Um, Stones. Uh, so anyway, where were we? And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Right off the bat, one gets the picture that Jesus is the chosen one of God. There's something very special about who Jesus is. To us, yes, but also to God the Father. Jesus is the chosen one. Jesus is the foundation stone. Some of you might not know what a cornerstone is, but the cornerstone orients and uh, keeps straight the whole building. The cornerstone is the most important foundation stone for the whole building. Jesus is the foundation stone of God's dwelling among His people. He is the most essential and exalted piece. He is central to everything that God is doing among us. All that God is doing in creation is centered on Jesus Christ. All the other stones of that building depend upon and are arranged in relation to that one cornerstone, Jesus. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ, who is the cornerstone, we have become living stones, the living stones that God is using to build His dwelling place. God is using us, those people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ and become part of His family, we are becoming the living stones that God is using to build His temple, His dwelling place in our midst. Isn't that amazing? That God is making us living stones, the dwelling place where He wants to reside and dwell. Not only are we being built as His temple, we are becoming His holy priests. So we're not just there uh, uh, constructing this dwelling place. We're actually participating in that. Being involved in that work of how God is redeeming and restoring and remaking the world, we are the priests. We are His holy priests offering living sacrifices and presenting ourselves, our very lives, in worship. Our responsibilities as God's living stones, as His spiritual household, are twofold. Our activities, our, our responsibilities, our, our uh, uh, interactions really center around two ideas. Worship and witness. To worship God and to bear witness to the world. We worship, we offer sacrifices to God. So we're offering things to Him, say, may this be pleasing to you. May this honor you. May it just be a token of how much we love you and we're committed to obeying you. We offer sacrifices in worship and we declare His praises as witnesses to the world. Does that make sense? So as stones, we face toward the living God in that temple. We become the temple, the stones that are facing inward toward the living God to honor Him and to worship Him. So we have this uh, facing inside view 
Okay, because a, a temple, a wall of a temple would have two sides, right? One side is looking inward at what's going on, and the other side is looking outward to what's going on outside, right? So the inside facing, uh, as stones, we, we face toward the living God. We honor Him and we worship Him through our sacrifice. And then facing outward, we function as priests. We face toward the watching world to bear witness to all that Christ has accomplished. All that God has done through sending His Son, allowing His Son to, to, to die an atoning death to cover over our sin, and then being raised again to invite us to lead the way into new life and into new creation. So we look inward in worship, and we face outward in witness. So I hope you get this. Do you, do you sense the incredible honor that we have because of Jesus. It's really a great honor that by faith you're not just saved uh, and you're going to go to heaven someday when you die. We're invited into something. We're becoming something even now that bears great honor and privilege. We get to be living stones, that which is being crafted and shaped by God to be His dwelling place. Even now that future reality is starting to take shape now in us. Okay, we read in Revelation that the dwelling place of God will now be with His people. There will be no more tears. There will be all this other stuff. The, the promise is finally fulfilled. But it's already taking shape in you and me. God is fashioning us into a place. God is fashioning us into that place where He is most at home. Where He is most glorified. I mean, I don't know what that does for you, but God desires. He's excited, anxious about this this building being brought to completion because then he will be in that place where he desires most to be at home with his people. The dwelling place is all brought to one, no longer separated. His place and our place are brought together in his dwelling place. By faith in Jesus Christ, God's chosen people, God's chosen us to be his people, we are called a royal priesthood. And that language is a little odd to us because we don't have priesthood. We don't have like altars and sacrifices. But we can read in the Bible and get that picture. We get that understanding and this is what we're being called into. And this is what we're being called. A royal priesthood. God's chosen ones to bring worship and to bear witness. Alright, let's look at verses 6 through 8. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. So here we see uh, some excerpts. You can tell by the text in your Bible that he's quoting something else, right? These aren't his words. He's actually putting things into quotation here. Uh, so Peter is launching into a flyover of how Jesus Christ, as the cornerstone, is fulfilling all the psalmist's uh, desires and, and all the Isaiah's prophetic visions um, of the precious and rejected Messiah. Okay, so Peter's looking back into the Old Testament and saying, hey, this is what the psalmist was talking about. This is what uh, Isaiah the prophet was talking about. So here's where I need some help. Uh, I need someone to turn to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah 28. Any readers here? Yes. Who's that? Ben, all right. Isaiah 28. I need someone to turn to Psalm 118. All right, Donna, you got it? Okay, and I need someone to turn to Isaiah chapter 8. Can you got that one? Yeah. 
Can you do Isaiah 8? Okay, listen to this. This is what, what Peter has in mind as he's saying these things, as he's including these references here in this part of the passage. He's, looking, he's thinking of Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Ben, you want to read that for us nice and loud? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. All right, thank you. Okay, and then Psalm 118, verses 22 through 28. Nice and loud for me, Donna. Thank you. Oh, that's good. That's good. But you see the imagery there. This is why this is familiar, because it's been coming to us through the Old Testament. The stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. I'm laying a cornerstone in Zion. We know this imagery. We know this language. And so then Peter's picking that up. Okay, Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 through 15. Kindy? <laughs> Word. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I, I included that just because it was sounded good. Don't right. don't believe every conspiracy. But anyway, <laughs> you'll get to it. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one that you are in regard. You are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. And he is the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble, they will fall and be broken, they will be snared and captured. So, right. So it's no surprise that Peter talks about this, that Jesus will cause many to stumble. As the cornerstone, it's a rock right in the middle of the path that's going to cause many people to stumble. You know, we like to think that Jesus came just to be buddy Jesus, like, you got this, you do you, just come and pat us on the back and, and just encourage us in whatever our, our, our wily hearts want us to do. No, Jesus came to cause stumbling, disruption, forcing us to change our path, change our way, uh, to pick ourselves back up in a new, new light. I mean, we have to f deal with Jesus. So Peter elsewhere refers to Jesus Christ as the stone the builders rejected uh, in his testimony to the Sanhedrin. When Peter himself stands before the Sanhedrin to give a defense of Jesus, he, he refers to this too in Acts chapter 4. Look at Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 8. Acts chapter 4, verses uh, 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we, be are, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man that just helped, uh, healed a, a man that was unable to walk? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that, the builders, that you builders rejected has now become the, the, the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. 
God has given us no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There's no other name. There's no other way for us to be saved but through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul likewise relied upon this understanding in explaining how his, how his work and God's work among those who believe uh, in Jesus Christ and follow Him. He, he uses the same language to capture it and kind of uh, frame the conversation. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11, Because of God's grace to me, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. No others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. Why? For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. So if you build, be mindful. You're building on Christ, and there's no other way to build. Christ is the foundation. And then he uh, uh, goes to Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. This is the uh, Apostle Paul again. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. This is pretty revolutionary stuff because he's talking to the believers at Ephesus who are uh, increasingly not Jewish. And so he's saying, hey, you Gentiles, you are no longer strangers or foreigners. You're no longer outsiders uh, looking in. You're, you belong. You're citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through Him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. Man, did you have any idea that this imagery shows up so often? Old Testament, New Testament, that we're living stones and God desires to dwell in us and among us. Wow. So verse 9 and 10, back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at verses 9 and 10 to finish up here. But you are not like that, as far as he said, they stumble because they do not obey God's word, so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Verse 9, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. So being God's chosen people is no longer limited to ethnic Israel because of Jesus' Jesus's finished work on the cross that tore the veil. It opened the way and it invited in all the nations as God desired. By faith, Jew and Gentile are now His chosen people. By faith, Jew and Gentile are now Israel. All are now, through faith, God's chosen people. As such, they've now inherited, the outsiders have now inherited both Israel's promise and Israel's responsibility. Right? It's not just, hey, uh, here's a bunch of blessings, here's a bunch of promises I've made. It's actually inviting you in to be participant. Now you have some responsibilities some opportunities that lie before you for you to live into, to lean into. 
We bear Israel's promise and responsibility to exalt Him faithfully in worship and to declare His glory as witnesses to the world. There it is again. That's our responsibility is to honor Him through our worship, making our lives living sacrifices to His glory, and turning and bearing faithful witness to the world, declaring His praises. Declaring His glory as royal priests, as a holy nation, we become God's prized possession. Look at that in verse 9. But you're not like that. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation. He's like going on. He's like, you're, royal, you're a royal priest. You're a holy nation. God's very own possession. You're precious to God. You are His very own possession. Now we have the privilege of going out into each of our days in all of those places where we go, where we are sent, bearing witness. Your very life displaying God's goodness to the world. We go out as living examples of nobodies who are now somebodies because God's kindness to everybody. See what I did there? That's totally a pa that's like the most pastor line in my whole sermon, right? We go out as living examples uh, of nobodies who have become somebodies because of God's kindness to everybody. Can I get a witness? Chicken step across the stage. Karate chop my Bible. <laughs> I start karate chopping my Bible more often. But because of His love shown to us in Jesus Christ, He has taken a, a nation, a, a, a bunch of people that were nobodies, outsiders, outcasts. He's taken a bunch of nobodies and He's made them into somebodies because God cares for everybody. That's how much you mattered. God was not content for you to be on the outside looking in. He wanted you as part of His dwelling place, as part of His home. In Christ, we move from living without mercy to being lavished in God's mercy. We move from, from darkness into the bright light of His wonder and His glory. You've been invited in. You were a nobody. But now because of Jesus, you are a somebody. You've been brought in. You've, you were without mercy. But now you're being lavished in God's mercy. You were dwelling in darkness. And you've been brought into the bright light of His wonder and glory. You guys, if 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-10 through 10 doesn't, if it doesn't crank your tractor, I don't know what will. If you, don't, if you don't read passages like this and feel something inside like, yes, you know, fist pump, this is great. If it doesn't do something for you, I'm afraid your battery might need to be replaced. Your battery might be dead. Guys, this is good stuff. If you can't get excited about this, oh man, we've got work to do. This is at the core of who we are. This is God himself telling us who we are, what we mean, and that we matter. We matter, we belong, and we're being used by God to declare His glory to the world. We're being invited by Him to bring sacrifices that bring Him praise. The surpassing worth and the unmerited grace expressed to us in Jesus through His life, His death, and His resurrection, it ought to astound us every day. I said this Friday morning with the guys, I think, it's like, it's no wonder that the heavenly beings around the throne in heaven, day and night, from all eternity, say three words over and over again. Holy, holy, holy. But we said it on Friday, it's like, holy, holy moly. 
I mean, just the amazement. I mean, the, the creatures around in Revelation are like covered in eyeballs. Because they need all those eyeballs to try to take it in. Like, I can't believe the lavish grace being shown to us. This is amazing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You and me will spend eternity doing the same. Proclaiming, exclaiming the glory of God shown to us in Christ. The mercy shown to us in Christ Jesus. Holy, holy, holy. I will lift my voice and I hope you will too. You and me today, this very day, we are being fashioned by God. We are being shaped by God. We're being put to good use by God through faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ, by the work of the Holy Spirit, we are being built day by day into the actual place where God desires to dwell. We're being built. He sent His Holy Spirit to actually initiate that, inaugurate that now. We're being shaped into that actual place where God desires to dwell, where He will dwell and is dwelling, we are becoming the living, breathing temple of God, God's home built of living stones with our Lord Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, both now and forever. And now we bear the great privilege of offering living sacrifices to Him in our worship and declaring His praise to the watching world as His witnesses. So I hope that's helpful. We look toward God. We look inside the temple to worship. And then we look out to the watching world to declare as witnesses His goodness and grace expressed in Jesus Christ. So look in, look out, be living stones, worship and witness. Stones, stones everywhere. And God is making something beautiful out of it all. God is making something beautiful out of you and me. We are being built upon a foundation, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, but we are anchored in Christ Jesus, the cornerstone, both now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, thanks for your goodness. Oh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we can return to this ancient book, a letter written by the Apostle Peter so long ago, and just be so jazzed so invigorated, so excited that yes, yes, it wasn't just about me being uh, forgiven of my sins. It wasn't just about me uh, going to heaven when I die. It was so much more vast and, and big and, and, and wonderful than that. That what Jesus was sent to accomplish, what you were fore, uh, foretelling through the prophets and through the psalmist was of your deepest desire to bring all your children back home and to build a place where we could dwell together. And to our great surprise, Jesus says the cornerstone, yes, but to our great surprise, us as those living stones, the material that you're using to build that actual dwelling place. Wow. Lord, that, that so often takes our, our small, inadequate ideas of salvation or the life of faith and just blows it apart just expands it so, so, so amazingly. Lord, you have this big, big plan, this universal cosmic plan that you brought to bear through Christ and then through the Holy Spirit, and it comes to bear on me. It comes to bear on my friends here, and it, 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 it's at play, it's at work tomorrow. It's, it's, it's in effect. The opportunity lies before us to bring worship and to, bring, to bear witness all week long. 
as we go out among the people that you've placed in our lives, God, I pray that I'd be faithful in that. I pray that my friends would be faithful in that. That we would understand that we're a royal priesthood. That we are God's own possession. And we've been sent with a specific task to be living sacrifices in worship, but also to be living witnesses and declaring your goodness and declaring your plan for salvation. God, I thank you that you that you've lavished so much mercy on us because we were pretty merciless. You've lavished grace on us when we were pretty graceless. God, you truly have taken some nobodies and made somebodies out of us, proving that you do love everybody and that you won't stop until everyone has had a chance to come to confess faith in Jesus and to be saved and be brought back home and find their place in your family. So God, I pray that you work the truth of this passage, of the truth of your word into our heart today. May we be motivated to be faithful in our calling as priests, as living stones, that our days would be marked by faithful worship and by faithful witness, we ask. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take a minute or two just to sit with this, to sit with the Lord. This is a good time to pray and to say, God, help me be more faithful in that. Maybe help me be more obedient and effective in my role as a priest. And as a living stone, I want to bear faithful worship and witness in my world. God, I want to live an eager anticipation of that reality you've already brought to us in Christ. You're already constructing through the Holy Spirit. I want to be living as if I, I get it and I'm a part of that. Transform our minds. Renew our minds today, we ask. So sit with the Lord. If you'd like to pray with someone, if we need to like work through some stuff, maybe there's some barriers or some assumptions that you have that are keeping you from understanding yourself as being part of what God is doing. That out of love, by faith, you've been brought in. That you're a part of this. If you'd love to pray or want to pray about that, I'd love to do that. The thing is, make the most of this opportunity.